Oh, hey, Sam. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, man. How are you going? <laughs> You're not too bad. Uh, what, what's what's up uh, in the world of... I, I was talking to Matt the other day, and he was saying how it's funny with lockdown because there are no movies to talk about every week. We have to just come up with mm. some shit to talk about. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's created <laughs> some diversity in what we're actually talking about. That's true, actually. We're like, not just we talking about, like... We did a music episode... We did yeah. another thing. Like, we've had, like, guests on. Brianna and I spoke about Princess and the Frog. Like, when would we have done that episode? Which turned out yeah. to be a really good episode. I, I haven't listened to it yet, because I haven't listened to any podcasts. <laughs> I've been playing non-stop Minecraft for, like, <laughs> a long time. Lockdown's which treating you has, hard, isn't it, Cal? It's, it has been a detriment to my mental health. <laughs> I... I I am suffering. Read a book, Cal. <laughs> Read a book. Oh, I, I've actually. I, I I I mean, is it even finished? <laughs> no, but it's halfway but also, there. Nice. I I have yeah. been reading. Uh, I finished uh, Treasure Island the other day. Oh, Robert Louis Stevenson for the first time. Um, that's that's very good. It's interesting to hear people talk in sort of like. Because there's how like the vic- like the people talk and how the pirates talk and they're neither of them are completely accurate because <laughs> it was written as a period piece yeah and it's all just weird it's hard to translate fair enough um and I started the Hobbit I listened to the first eight hours of the Hobbit and <laughs> the, the first <laughs> no, eight sorry. hours the Lord of sorry, the Rings sorry not 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 yeah sorry not the Hobbit Lord of the Rings the, the Fellowship of the Ring the Hobbit's short I, I call it the Hobbit because I haven't left the fucking Shire yet <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> It's funny you were listening to that because Brianna and I just watched it. We just finished mm, watching oh, okay. the extended editions. So, so when you finish the audiobooks, <laughs> we'll do a podcast and discuss both of them. So expect that out happen. in like 12 years <laughs> once you've finished listening. I will be long dead. <laughs> long dead. <laughs> um, Before I finish this stuff. I uh, I want to open the episode. We've got a bunch of tweets to get to, and then we've got the, the, the yeah, whole let's... episode to do. But... Before that, yes, that we've I, I actually got a lot of content to cover. I want to I want to mention an or, uh, uh, an honourable mention opening theme song that we didn't mention in the opening theme song episode. Cool, I love and it. And you might have had this, but it's interesting mm. neither of us mentioned it because I know it's on both of our own personal Spotify <laughs> playlists, and it's the, yeah. it's the Blue Water High opening. Uh, betcha duper, aiming for your yeah. head. <laughs> yeah, love it. Yeah. It's so good. It yeah. came on my playlist it was the, really other good. T- the other day, and I'm like, wait a minute. I well, would have had I this shortlisted. Like, <laughs> I was like, no one will know what we're talking about, and because we can't play it, I guess I won't pick it. And then we did um, play but, all of them. Well, and then we added it to a, a playlist, because we're more professional now than we've ever been. Um, so well, <laughs> so people could have listened to it. Well, I'm going to add this to the, to the video shop playlist now. Go for it. Of, of awesome, of uh, course. Because <laughs> uh, it's awesome. Uh, and, it, yep. Yeah. That's the only honourable mention I had. Fair enough. I, I have a whole list of shit I didn't talk about. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, moving on. Yep. Do we have any tweets? We have a bunch of tweets. Um, so, let me go back to the first one. So, last week we spoke about Spider-Man PS4. Yep. Um... So the first tweet we have is from Goddamn Robots. Uh, what's his yep. face? He says, mid-episode tweet, Clone High. If you remember, he tweeted us about Clone High's opening. 
Yeah. Said Clone High was made by Chris Lord and Phil Miller. So Spider-Verse, 21 Jump Street and the Lego Movie. The show was oh. one of the first things they did back in 2003. Well, the... While the guest stars are a bit dated, it's still a solid show. So, yeah, fair enough. Those guys are very funny and very good creators. So, yeah, good pedigree. It would not surprise me at all that that show is good. Fair enough. That that might actually be enough to push me over into watching it. Yeah. Probably not, because I've got Minecraft to play. Yes, but... as we've established. <laughs> um, still? Yeah, no, that's, that's it's good and understandable. Uh, the next tweet we have is from at FlintMonkey. He said, "You right. wanted my, uh, you wanted my hopes for the Spider-Man sequel, Spider-Man game. You should uh, get to play as Black Cat and Black Suit Spider-Man with unique play styles and missions. Norman as Goblin was clearly set up, so got to have that too. Uh, mm. I would love to play because we've spoken. I've spoken about this so much on the podcast. How I think they should have opened Spider-Man three with a sh- <laughs> yeah. a shuttle cr- a shuttle crash and him like catching yeah. it in webs and shit like in the um the animated series the from the animals. 90s right okay um yeah. and i think they should open the game with that and introduce the black suit spider-man make this game about black suit spider-man i think that would be sick i've heard people talking about them using the symbiote in the pod with harry that that yes sort of gooey hand thing climbing up was the yeah, was the symbiote, which makes some sense, but I don't know. I, I it that that would be a little bit too Amazing Spider-Man for me, with everything being too connected. Connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. Um, though it it did look like the symbiote, so we'll we'll see. We'll see. I'm sure hmm. the first one was great. I'm sure Miles Morales will be great. I'm sure the 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 sequel will be great as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, at Riley is good. Okay. Is this a new person? I think this is Foggy Feather, who has okay. changed the Twitter hand, changed their Twitter handle. Um, That's fine. I'm. I've, I'd have to confirm that, but yeah, yeah, it's Foggy Feather. It is now at. Okay. Riley is good. Okay. Cool. Riley is good. Ho- hopefully, that wasn't like a clever disguise <laughs> that they were putting on. <laughs> I mean, you, you're better off creating a new Twitter account because I can just scroll back and see that. The last tweet I don't we know had how from Twitter works. Foggy Feather is now <laughs> Riley is good. Um, mid-episode thoughts. Your issue with the skill trees in this game is the exact reason skill trees in games need to stop. They're always designed for you to unlock everything by the end anyway, so it's just to give the illusion that you're customising the gameplay when you're not. Yeah. I'd, I'd almost rather that the, the Spider-Man game when you've hit level three, you've learned this new thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, I play it like that, mm. so I don't. So I, I kind of do that already. I unlock it in that order. Yeah, I think it's meant for like challenges and stuff. It's meant for people to go. Oh well, I want to play through the game without unlocking anything. Yeah. So I can just choose not to have those skills, or I'm I'm only gonna use this thing. Yeah. 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 I agree. The next tweet we have is also from at Riley's Good. I just noticed it's yep. three O's, so it's Riley is good. Um, the Miles Morales game supposedly is going to be a shorter campaign, kind of like Lost Legacy to Uncharted, but set in the same map. I'm curious when they get around to a full sequel to the game where they'll put it, because presumably they can't reuse New York again. It's an interesting point. So I, I figured that about the Miles Morales game as well. 
It would, it's kind of like it's a smaller game, but its own story. Um, I, I don't see why they can't, but put it in but, New York again. But hear me yeah. out, space. Yeah. Sam, yes, Cal. The the <laughs> map for space would either be much much bigger than New York, mm-hmm. or arguably much much smaller because there's nothing there. I think you make it much much bigger and still have nothing there. I mean, because <laughs> I obviously it, it don't was... mean just space. <laughs> just space. <laughs> we can't have any planets. That's too boring. Everyone's been on planets. Every movie so far has been set on a planet, um, at least partially. <laughs> I mean, like team Spider-Man up with the event with uh, with the Guardians of the Galaxy or something, and send him to space. Yeah, send him to Nidavellir. Yeah. To, I don't know, arm wrestle a dwarf. Well, didn't he go to space when he was the symbiote Secret Wars or something? I don't remember. Comics are... There's too much of it. Of course Spider-Man's been to space in comics. He's done everything in comics. (laughs) Remember that time he gave his girlfriend cancer with sperm? Jesus Christ, (laughs) Sam! (laughs) Yes, Cal. You bring it up too often. Stop it. (laughs) Have I? I feel like I haven't. You brought it up then. That's too often. <laughs> it's uh, comics are weird, man. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So that's a good question. Also, you could do like you could do what Far From Home did and set it in like London or Europe, but I feel like that would feel too much like Far From Home. It would be cool though. It would like, be. That's, that's fine. I mean, if you really wanted to set it in L.A. for some reason, do it. Like, I don't give a fuck, but... No. Gotham. I was just thinking... Spider-Man fight fight Batman. God damn it. I was just thinking any other big city in America. You know what? I'm going to set Melbourne. Do it, cowards. Fucking you won't do it. (laughs) But are you too scared? Fucking cowards. Insomniac. Absolute. Everyone wants it. Everyone's calling for it. Insomniac, but you yeah. won't do it because you're cowards. Yeah. Have Marvel Stadium in there and call it Stark Stadium like it should always have been. <laughs> have Be able to jump into the stadium and play football. It's now AFL Evolution you, 3. You won't do it, you cowards. <laughs> Everyone tweeted Insomniac. Call them cowards for not setting the sequel in Melbourne. <laughs> Insomniac are cowards. Cowards yeah. is so scathing. <laughs> ah, very good. Hashtag Spider-Man up. Spider-Man yeah. up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the next... Uh, the, the next mm. tweet's also from Riley is good. I'm enjoying all the mid-episode tweets... Um, I am. Also, the Avengers game reeks to me of microtransaction-y bullshit, and I'm not into the endless loot-collecting game, so I don't think I'll go in on it. If the game is really good, then maybe down the line, but other games like God of War already do similar gameplay perfectly. It's a good point. Yeah, why... Like, every game that's been hugely critically acclaimed lately has been that sort of thing. It's been story-driven, single-player, just good gameplay from start to finish 
Doesn't need fucking RPG leveling up mechanics. Doesn't need loot based bullshit. Uh, like mm. the Avengers also just isn't good for that style of game because I think we spoke yeah. about it at length last time. But again, yeah. it, you're not like creating a ca- your own character. You're just Iron Man. Yeah. So and let me totally... do all the Iron Man things. But and the problem comes from just trying to incorporate everybody's every different Avengers character's fighting style in and movement style into <laughs> the same map. Like that's just a terrible idea. Don't do it. Yeah. Um at Riley is good has then said names for the Spider-Man PS4 game. So if you recall, we cool. asked what would yep. you name it other than Marvel Spider-Man. And yep. uh, we got a list of options from uh Riley's good. It's um cool. Super Spider-Man Brothers. <laughs> the Sinister Six and the Fabtabulous Emancipation of One pa- uh, Peter Parker. Love it. Amazing Spider-Man Rise of Electro. Boo. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Uh, no Spider-Man for the Sega Genesis love it and Spider-Man I want that game Spider-Man but it's a game please buy it it's not a movie tie-in thank you (laughs) so um, yes I thoroughly enjoy all of those posters (laughs) (laughs) bring me posters posters of Spider-Man for the PS4 (laughs) Um, the the um the next tweet is from at Flint Monkey. Okay. I checked my YouTube subscribers and Cal appeared nowhere. I'm gonna guess that it's under an alias, and the most Cal username on the list is Super Sentai Digimon Power Pokemon Rangers. Is you that got me? <laughs> no, I was gonna say, is that actually you? Uh, no, no. Okay, it is. all right. I'm not going to give out what my actual YouTube handle is, but I don't think it's that hard to find. <laughs> I'm still not going to give it out. Fair enough. Uh, the next tweet is also from at Flint Monkey, and it says, Your plug of the Monkey Island soundtrack reminds me to ask you guys to do a five favourite game themes episode. Um, probably won't, purely because that's really hard. <laughs> I was going to say, like, because I, I would like to do uh, just a, a show in general where we just turn up, bring each other, like, not even necessarily music, just, like, this is a game soundtrack or, like, like this is whatever. But, like, it, it's it's too hard to record and, and, and like, share the music with each other. It's, it's a long time commitment by comparison. And editing it was a like, lot longer, too. Like, that last episode yeah. took longer, editing in all those, downloading all those. It was a good episode, but you should know by now, the video shop isn't in this for work. <laughs> but honestly, like, it could be cool to just... I don't know. Like, I would like to be able to go, hey, man, you know, like, the... This, like, the... Uh, I don't know, Route 12 in the Hoenn region games of the Pokemon series is just a, a solid, like, bit of study music. Or Upstream from Crash Bandicoot is just nicely relaxing, you know? Yeah. I'd like to be able to talk about that sort of stuff. But there's, eh, I don't know. Maybe maybe if we work out a format at some point, but I, I doubt it. Maybe, but it could be interesting. Um, I've got a very exciting news here that I completely forgot about. The Phantom oh. followed us on Twitter. <laughs> 
Is it Bob? No, but it is. Is it Bob? It is at the Phantom Fan underscore. Uh, it's sorry, at the Phantom underscore Fan. So uh, okay. So it's not the official so Phantom, but um. Yeah. But they actually have a YouTube channel dedicated to reviewing Phantom things. Right. So okay. they actually have a video about the Phantom game that we spoke about. Um, and obviously cool. we did a podcast where we gushed about the Phantom for a bit. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so that's fun. Uh, we have one final tweet and uh, yep. I'm not going to tell you who it's from. You have to uh... guess who tweeted this to us, Cal. <laughs> it's Bob. Go on. <laughs> Only bad thing about this game is it makes replaying the Arkham games worse as you realise how boring black bat gliding is compared to web slinging. See? Yeah. Do you still think it's from Bob? Oh, wait, yes. no, there's a little bit extra here. It says, it's like trying to watch Mowgli the Blah after watching <laughs> Grass Grow, as the grass ah. has well-defined character growth and a linear story ah. arc. It is, of course, from at Boo Mowgli. God damn it, Bob. Our, like, third most dedicated listener. God damn it. Honestly, one day, that Twitter account's going to go viral. That's what's going to come out of this. BuzzFeed will, like, find it and go, look at this fucking Twitter. All it does is badmouth Mowgli. <laughs> That one movie that's now evil for some reason that we've decided in the future. Um, man, I, I like how optimistic you are about the existence of BuzzFeed <laughs> in the future. <laughs> uh, gold, gold, gold. Anyway, that's all the tweets we have this week. Cool. Let's not fuck around. Play the music. Shop podcast about what you're watching, maybe. I'm your host, Gal. I'm your other host, Sam. And uh, today, fuck, we're talking about genre, specifically ones we've made up, I guess. <laughs> Is that what we're talking about? I don't fucking know. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Right. I mean, you could have confirmed with me at any point that you were unsure of this topic, but at no point did I hear any correspondence from you along the lines of, hey man, maybe we should do anything else, or. Uh, <laughs> I know the audience can't see me, but I'm just slowly shaking my head. (laughs) With his face folding in on itself, like he just got shot by a lemon. (laughs) Um, So last year, for my my honours year at uni, I... Mm -hmm. My final Mm -hmm. uh, thesis... I get... I wouldn't call it that. (laughs) Essay? I don't know, what do you call an honours essay? Because it's not a thesis, right? What's a thesis? I, I don't know. I swear I, I have a university degree. <laughs> a a thesis is it's... just a long essay, isn't it? It's just a long... Well, because I think, I think a thesis is that you, you put forward a theory, like it is... Welcome it, to the Video the Shop same... Podcast. Sam and Kel try to figure out what a thesis is. I'm your host, Sam. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure a thesis is, is putting forward your argument for something. Right. Then this it was my thesis then. Um... And the thesis was kids on bikes is the undiscovered genre because it's a genre. We have mentioned kids on bikes on the podcast before, (laughs) but I did like this 7,000 word essay on it, which is now Mm. on my website as a blog. One of Mm. my reviewers said, 
one of the assessors said this reads um, this isn't a academic thesis. Uh, it would make a better blog post. So proving him right, unfortunately, I uh, <laughs> I posted it on my blog. I did read it this morning, actually. Oh, you did. What did you think, Cal? Um, well, I I thought because it read like a like a. <laughs> <laughs> like an academic paper. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I found it a little, uh, a little dry at times. Not entirely dry, but there were times when it's just like this is just reference. Like just yeah, here's like a list of of things that back up your your point. Yeah, because that's um, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. But so uh, like. Because in, in talking about this, I jokingly said that I'd bring my own genre, yes. which I guess we'll talk about after, which is fine. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, that's. But so, so I've been thinking a lot about like the point of all of this, and and an interesting part that I didn't really sort of think of uh, in your blog post is um, is exactly like the different purposes genre is used for at yeah. different levels of the movie making process. Yeah. Um. So I, and I can't remember all the terms. Well, um, so I stole them from someone else because that's what uh, academia wants you to c- do. Um, I- correct. <laughs> if you don't steal, it's wrong. <laughs> if you don't, if, uh, if somebody else didn't think of it first, there's no precedent for your argument, so you're wrong. Um, yeah, doesn't doesn't count. Um, mm. Fuck. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, I stole it from film slash genre by um, Rick Alterman. Because um, he lays okay. out, because obviously you're writing a book about Jean, you have to lay out the rules. Um, yeah. And I kind of interpreted his list in a certain way, but his list was mm. blueprint, structure, label, and contract, which I interpreted right. as um, uh, uh, production, um, screenwriting, um, marketing, and audience expectation. Which is kind of how yeah. I interpreted those labels that he um, yeah he came out came up with, which does make sense. Like you want to know what thing you're building, so you want to have a general idea of what it is before you make it. Um, you want a general idea of how to describe it to somebody else so they can help you make it. Yeah, um, and you want other people to be able to point at it and go, "It's that thing." Yeah, yeah, exactly. So genre defines the aesthetic of a movie, generally, like how it looks, how the actors look, how the actors perform. Um, Then genre also can inform uh, how the story works, how it unfolds, what elements are in the story. And then, of course, genre is important for marketing uh, and um, audience expectation, which is one of the Mm. most important things in film, because you want them to Mm. go into... Because you want an audience to watch your movie, uh, so they need to want to understand what that movie is going to be, but then also be surprised by it. So it's a well, they balancing know what, act. They know what they like. They know yeah. what they want to go and see. So you need to say to them, this is that. And then you need to provide them just not the same shit over and over again. Exactly. If you want to read the, my, my full essay, it, like Kel said, it, it is it is academic in nature. So it's, it's on the slightly longer side and goes into a lot of nitty gritty. Um... But it's at samuelprattwhite.com on my blog. And, and by no means is it a bad read, and you should, um, like, it's an interesting point as, like, so if those four things are what determines, like, if you can describe your thing um, without there being too much overlap with something else, um, 
and, and how that would help you work through those four steps of the production process, that it's useful enough as a genre to be counted as one. Yeah. And so it's for, um, for this episode, I watched The Goonies because yep. it was by far the most suggested thing for me to watch in that genre. Yep. Um, and <laughs> I, not to get into a review of The Goonies. It hasn't aged well. <laughs> it has not <laughs> aged well. I know. I, I'm it, well aware of that. It's a Looney Tunes cartoon that takes itself too seriously at the wrong moment. Yes. Yes, it does. At what, like, just the Rude Goldberg machine to open the front gate the kid could easily jump over um, that relies on a hen to lay an egg at just the right moment is just so ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, but the I, Goonies think, is, I thought it was a totally fine movie. It is. But the Goonies is the, is the key notch that makes... Kids on bikes, a genre, over. Okay. It, it, well, it's the first thing that made me go. It's a genre because you look at when people talk about kids on bikes, they always talk about ET, Stranger Things. Um, what else is on my list here? Super Eight. Um, mm. Something like Turbo Kid. It would be referred to that, and they're all science fiction. So people go, kids mm. on bikes is a subgenre of science fiction. But also mm. on those lists, people always put the Goonies. And I'm like, well, the Goonies mm. isn't science fiction. So how can kids on bikes mm. be a subgenre of science fiction? It can't be. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Which I go into in great detail in this essay. But um, mm. because there are then... What? Sci-fi obviously has a lot of crossover with kids on bikes, but there are also tons of movies that count that aren't in, mm. in the sci-fi genre. Well, because a, a lot of the time... Like, you said in the essay that the, a monster usually plays a big role or yeah. at least you, you quoted somebody who said that um and in this movie it's sort of the opposite it's uh it's not a monster that they're running away from it's a treasure they're running toward it's yeah yeah uh, but and the... so i guess you could argue that because it's sort of based on pirate treasure that it was a real thing in real history it's kind of historical fiction well the, the, but again, there are two yeah. there are multiple levels there because there's the monster and then there's the adults and usually the mm. adults but in in the case of the Goonies, there's kind of two layers of adults. There's the adults mm. that are going to re take back the home. They're the adults that yes. don't understand the kids. But then they're the adults that are chasing the kids, and they're the monsters. Like there's literally that guy <laughs> who is monstrous uh, yeah. looking. <laughs> yeah, even sloth. though he yeah sloth. That's it. Even though he doesn't end up being the monster, the monster is still there serving a purpose in the story. Mm. And he is inherently childlike. They. Like, he's literally yeah. not intelligent. He watches pirate movies. Yeah. <laughs> and wears a Superman shirt. Yeah. Love it. Good on it. <laughs> like, they play him up like just a big, strong kid. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Uh, but I guess I guess the, the thing that was jumping to mind as a genre that envelops, or at least absorbs most of kids on bikes, is adventure. And yes. at least for the Goonies, you could say this is an adventure movie. Yep. My argument to that is that the the way we talk about genre isn't isn't correct like adventure would be an umbrella term that encompasses nearly everything yeah that's the problem with adventure films i have cuz mm. because that would imply that um the goonies and indiana jones are similar movies yeah and they're not not at all <laughs> i mean ha- they I kind mean, of are it's not like... a great example uh but you but you could start off writing indiana jones 
mm. and end up at the Goonies by using certain tropes in a certain way, in the same way that you could start writing Indiana Jones and end up with a romantic comedy. Yeah. If you if you changed, just tweaked a little things. So I I guess my my pitch for what I would want us like how I would want people to talk about genre is sort of the same way we talk about um uh I come up with the term taxonomy in um in biology. Yeah. Where there's umbrella terms that are nested within each other. Yeah. So you you work your way down to a specific species of thing. Yeah. You know, where you can go superhero movies are a subset of action movies and action movies are a subset of yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like you can. Yeah, you can work your way back to a common ancestor. Yeah, technically, superheroes are a subset of sci-fi, but sci-fi can have action sure. in it. So it's mm. genre and bleeds into each other so much. Mm. Well, and yeah, and like the the sci-fi terminology, we've said a lot. Um, it it could refer to uh, how the story is written, or it could refer to setting. Yeah. Um, um, like, it doesn't even have to necessarily be futuristic to be sci-fi. No, look, it could e. be T. Like, yeah. There's an exactly. alien in it, so, so it's sci-fi. Like... Yeah, but... <laughs> again, that's so unhelpful. I know. It's same with something like The New Child's Play. It's a robot, so mm. it's sci-fi. But in no other ways is that movie really science fiction. Yeah, I what's would argue useful it's kids to take on bikes, but... <laughs> But what what's useful to take from that is yeah kids on bikes and horror yeah that like it's this type of thing it has this bone structure but it's meant to make you feel this yeah yeah like the emotional element is something that is separate from the other thing and that's the I thing think. with all of these kids on bikes movies they all share their genre like the, the kids on bikes is is the is the genre of their movies but they share it with another genre so it's like et's mm. kids on bikes and sci-fi bmx bandits is mm. uh, k- kids on bikes and i don't know crime i guess mm. well and like there probably is something about but sci-fi is the same we've like yeah, yeah, yeah. sci-fi is never just straight science fiction it can't be no because science yeah. fiction doesn't depict other elements in a story it depicts mostly setting or world yeah. and like the closest thing to pure science fiction i can think of would be something like the martian yeah where the whole point is just using science to overcome problems 2001 from... a space odyssey maybe um mm, even then that that like it sort of has a point it's telling a story beyond the, the thing with the that. martian is cal you're forgetting that it's a comedy musical <laughs> Comedy has to be the least useful genre. We we can agree on that. I think the human it's race one can of, agree. Absolutely. Uh, and so, I, I guess because I'm trying to think of other things that the kids on bikes tropes would be sort of similar to in some way, um, like coming of age. I, I think stories that that was another one that I was going to mention. Um, yeah, that might be and... the one thing that borders on making kids on bikes not a genre because mm. it it is because the the coming of age part is entirely part of the kids on bikes genre. However, again, my counter argument is that the coming of um, 
age story doesn't inform any of the tropes in a kids on bikes movies because coming of age yeah. also can refer to so many other types of films. Um, you've mm. got movies like The Edge of Seventeen uh, or Love. Mm. What was that new one? Um, Book Smart, uh, which was very mm. good. Well, but those aren't kids almost, on bikes films. Well, then, the, and there's two types of coming of age. There's um, preteen to teenager, and then there's teenager to adult. Yep. There's like pre-pubescent to pubescent and po- and pubescent to complete to full adult. And those are informed in entirely different ways. And the symbology of them are, t- are very different. Like the, the fact that the, the, uh, the suggested title for this genre is kids on bikes specifically narrows down the age of the kid. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and narrows down like what sort of lifestyle that kid's got. Yeah. Um, like, and to a point, it, it gives you an idea of roughly a, a decade you could set it in, or at least you have, like, it, it, it's something that has a lot of very loose rules yeah. that don't necessarily have to be followed. And I think that's important for genre if we're going to use it as a specific sort of term. Well, um, yeah. my argument for why it's important to have the term is that if we don't, you're not going to... These movies aren't going to be... If you, you have to be aware of the tropes in the genre you're working in so that you can make it fresh and interesting. And my argument for that is yes. the movie Rim of the World, right? which is a Netflix movie, which is clearly just... I haven't watched all of it because it's real bad, and it's cr- clearly just trying to emulate the Stranger Things tone. Um mm without doing anything new. So they're clearly not aware of what... Like, they're aware they're trying to emulate this, but they don't know what that is. Yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And I guess... Like, because with, with something like Stranger Things, the it has a lot of those tropes, but I would argue that a lot of it isn't that. Stranger the, Things, because it's a show, has a mixture, because all the adult stuff, while still fitting into Stranger Things borders on something else mm. family drama probably yeah. but <laughs> well I, I guess and it's it's a it's a genre that follows a specific character in that show yeah that like the the kid stuff is largely a kids on bike story and then there's this whole other set of adult stories that they tell yeah along with it um and that's something that can interestingly like add a lot of flavor to this to this genre yep. and arguably border it alongside other genres. Um, but I don't think that necessarily takes away from the, the label still applying. Like just yeah. because you watch an episode that's largely about the cop and the mum doesn't mean that it's not about kids sneaking into a secret Russian facility. Well, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm, and because the kids are the instigator, usually of all the action, the adults are responding to something with the kids usually. So even though it's mm. that, it's still completely informed by the kids on bikes. Um, and I guess, like, what is a defining feature of the coming-of-age story? Because it sounds to me like it's just a positive change arc story told from the point of view of somebody of a specific age. Yeah. And that anything can fit into that. And it can be in any setting with characters of arguably nearly any age. Like, yeah. 
like you can have aliens that just don't understand people and them coming around to understanding people and tell the exact same coming of age story you would before but one of the kids is now an alien and that probably wouldn't count as a coming of age probably story probably not no science fiction <laughs> it's my yeah, genre yeah. genre is uh, is a bit loosey goosey and it's mm. it's not specific and people try to define it but that's why i think you have to define it define it in categories you're like genre is used for all these things so how do mm. those things reflect in what? the and, term and using those four elements of like what is useful. Yeah. Um, I think is something that could give us like four distinct categories that should have their own terminology. Like there should be something that describes the structure of the screenplay. There should be something that describes, um, the advertising of the movie and how the audience is supposed to interpret it. Yeah. And there should be something that describes the setting and the aesthetic. And there should be something that describes, um, character tropes within it. Yeah. And you, you can see how, how when one of those things isn't in line with the other one, it can cause problems. So mm. Suicide Squad was marketed as a comedy, almost. Yeah. Um, but yeah. but then wasn't. So they had to alter the movie to suit expectations for the audience, but then it didn't do anything new with the genre, and so yeah. fell flat. Um, yeah. And... Um, and that's how the almost how the genre started clear, and then breaking it in one of those caused the movie to be entirely ruined. Yeah. Um, so we're we're at like the sort of nearly the forty five minute mark. Yep. So I spent a um, I spent a, a, a year researching this and putting it together. What have you got, Cal? <laughs> so I've been thinking, and I'm just <laughs> uh, uh, I, I've been. Um, I haven't come up with a nice like name, okay. Yep, for it, but I think I have come up with something that, uh, while has a lot of overlap with other things, I think uh, should at least have a term of its own for itself, even if that's not necessarily genre. Yeah. Um. So, uh, there's something about movies that have a like they typically have a very small amount of supernatural element to them. Yeah. Um, and they are usually used to tell a story where a character's perspective is forcibly changed. Yep. Um, so I'm talking about body swap movies. Right. I'm talking about okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Groundhog Day, like time loop movies. Yep. Yep. I'm talking about stuff like Click, uh, Yesterday, okay. uh, Big. Yep. And like that sort of stuff where it's. The, where the point is that it's not about exploring the mechanics of the magic or the science or even the world that they live in. It's about exploring the other person's perspective or the other type of perspective that they need to grow as a person. Yeah. So you could tell a coming-of-age story with this as a sort of mechanic of the story. It's a structure rather than a genre, probably. Yep. Um, I'm sure... Right. There's a lot of crossover with um, art film here. Uh, right, okay. Because I did a... At uni, I did a subject called Screen Culture and Aesthetics. And one of the pieces of reading we had to do for that discussed non-linear storytelling. And how right. there are a number of films um, 
that tell stories in a non-linear way and don't explain why or, or don't explain what yes. the cause of it is. And Groundhog Day was an example of that. I actually, I actually argued that, that that particular article spoke about how things like Edge of Tomorrow don't count um, or, or things like science fiction don't count because they give an explanation. Therefore, as soon as you have an explanation, yeah. it no longer counts as a non-linear story. So I actually argued against that. I'm like, it's still non-linear. Well, you just have an explanation for it. But like yeah, the, that's silly. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. But um, <laughs> there is... Um, I might publish that on my website at some point too. I think I've still got that. <laughs> yeah, do that. Um, there is... You, you're right though. There, there is a, something missing in the, in the world of like minimal kind of magic. And I'm sure mm. in the art world, art film world, they have some term. Mm. I'd have to do some Maybe. research. That, that's what I couldn't find. I didn't spend a great deal of time looking for it, but, but that's the sort of thing that I couldn't find. And I think that, like, it is really hard, like, weeding out which tropes are, like foundational tropes that if you remove them, the genre is gone and therefore this isn't really a genre. It's just an extension of a trope. Yeah. So, um, and and I was trying to, to come up with movies where it's not about someone changing their perspective necessarily. Um, and the best I could come up with was things like uh, a kid in King Arthur's court or, um, or Black Knight, or like these movies where you're transported in time, yeah. and so therefore your perspective is meant to change other people's perspective. It's yeah. the reverse change arc. Um, yeah, so where where you're not the change arc character, everybody else is. Yeah. Um, so it still does the same thing, it's just in reverse. So I'm not sure whether what I've got here is just an extension of that trope to the point where it determines the whole structure of the film. Um, but I think you can tell... I think it's possible to tell other stories with it. It's just super useful for telling that story. Um, yeah, so, like, the there were a couple of movies that were sort of uh, borderline there that I wasn't sure if they counted. So, um, so here's the term, yeah. Cal. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's magical realism. Okay, I'm looking it up now. Magic realism, also known as magical realism or marvellous realism, is a style of fiction and literature genre that paints a realistic view of the modern world while also adding magical elements. Hmm, but so what separates this, like what I'm talking about from something like Harry Potter? So, the, 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 the key, I think, is um, that Harry Potter's derivative. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that there's like, but that you end up exploring a lot more of the world of Harry Potter and the implications of those of the. I was going to say, I think rather than just the yeah, I think the point is a, is your ex- the, the the it's a uh, a view of the modern world through the magical elements, not a view of a magical mm. element through the modern world. Does that make sense? So in Harry Potter, he's in this mundane world and moves into this magical world, and that's his new world. But in things like mm. Yesterday, which I would call magical realism, they um, go in, like this magical thing happens and it changes him, his perspective of the world he's already in, the modern world. Mm. Yeah, well, and so I guess then the 
where I think it's sort of... Yeah, because I, I think where the genre is sort of... Because hmm. it makes me think of stuff like Carrie. Yep. Um, yep. Like... I'm trying to think. That doesn't really fit into what I'm talking about here, but what I'm talking about here fits into magical realism and Carrie does as well. It, Yeah, I'm, I guess the only point that I would make is that this might be a little too loose for what I was expecting, but I think, I think this is it. This is, yeah, this is exactly what would fit into those um, things. And, and, I, I think it's a term that needs to be used more in... Um... Well, it's very much used in art, in the art film world, because I knew I'd heard a term before, because I went to... I don't know if you know this, everyone. I went to film school. <laughs> um, so I know all them terms. Um, but it's interesting that you have to dig into, like, art film. You have to dig into, a like, obscure, hoity-toity levels of this, when it's largely things like the change-up... And Freaky Friday, well, he, like it's stuff. I was going to say that's the thing, though. So you, I think, what you've found here is very interesting because I haven't heard those films described as magical realism. Magical realism usually is reserved for those wanky art films made in France um, mm. that don't make any sense. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, actually, there's a good um, movie called Run Lola Run, which is uh, which I would count under this it's also a non-linear story so that's that's good but but yeah and i think you've keyed in here that things like yesterday click freaky friday a lot of mainstream kind of american films also fit into this magical realism term that's um mm. that you're right i think should be used more mm. well and i because i was looking for a term like i was trying to make a pun on supernatural <laughs> i was trying to be like simple natural um <laughs> completely when we're removing the keyword in the pun, not making it make any sense. But um, it's on the Wikipedia page. It's interesting that they talk about the fantastical elements. Um, at, like they say, it brings fables, folk tales, and myths into contemporary social relevance. And I think that was the thing that I found the most similarities with yeah. was um, like old fables where they tell these same stories, but in the form of this person has now been transformed into a lion or into a mouse or something like that. Yeah, instead <laughs> like, it's uh, yeah. you woke up and the Beatles don't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, but it's still a way... It's all about changing your perspective. Or, or testing you. Like, those f fables are often like a test. Like, he got turned into a lion because he did something wrong and he now has to prove himself. Mm. And it's, it's kind of a similar thing. He, he got hit by a... he He... He didn't have any... He'd given up, got hit by a bus and had a chance to be something, but ultimately mm. had to accept that... Ultimately, what he needed was to just accept who he was. That was the mm. that was the end result. Also, in Yesterday, Harry Potter doesn't exist. So, <laughs> anymore. Uh, <laughs> I loved that I, movie, man, Yesterday. I, that was such a good movie. <laughs> anyway, we gushed oh. about that a we gush about that movie enough, but um, mm. I, I love it. Well, and because now I'm trying, so I'm hung up on trying to find a better term. But magical realism, I think, really fits that quite well. Uh, and, um, it, and it is a pretty good term as well. It, mm. it, it's it, like kids on bikes. It kind of describes in its name what it is. So it doesn't mm. take much reading to then understand. And the, the the struggle I was having was I was finding myself digging into 
specifics too much. Yes. I was leaning too much into this is the story where a character's perspective changes and they go through a positive change arc because of that. That's the point of the genre. Whereas this is much more open. Yeah. This is much broader. That fits a genre. What I'm describing should be like the next thing down in the nested. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, a it's like a trope yeah. of that genre or even a, a style of that genre. Yeah. What is interesting yeah. is this term is generally used for liter- liter- literary genre, not right, film okay. and TV. But I don't see okay. why it shouldn't be adapted. Mm. Like well, and in exact because yeah. because we do this in film now. Like more and more, we are getting films like this that fit into the mm. magical realism. Um, mm. The the interesting part about this term though is that that realism because it really doesn't refer to what you think it refers to. No, no, <laughs> like. It sounds like it refers to the application of magic in an overly specific, highly explained, almost scientific way. Yeah, it's it's the opposite. And it's the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> it's the real world in every aspect except for this one little piece of magic difference. Yeah. It's that one machine that turns Tom Hanks into an adult. Which is why Harry Potter... <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> it's why... Um, well, and suddenly 30... Would be mm. this too. Oh, 17 again? Yep. Um, <laughs> the best movie of all time. Uh, just My Luck. <laughs> <laughs> yes. God damn it. But yeah, again, it's a romantic comedy that, that, that fits within Magical that, realism, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think... Yeah. I think so, you, 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 I actually think what you've done here is very interesting because you've, you've recognised a genre in film that is generally a, a liter- literary genre that... Mm. exists in film expansively now so should be adapted <laughs> mm. oh man now, just I'm, my yeah. luck we should do an episode on that <laughs> honestly Where i'd be down the... to do a whole episode on magical realism movies i i'm down <laughs> um tweet us at video yeah. shop pod what what are some other kids on bikes and magical realism movies that we could do like full episodes on or do you have your own genre that you want to pitch yeah um, we, we're not even at an hour yet. Uh, do we have some more magical realism movies? Uh, I mean, we've well, listed let, let, a lot of them through. now. Well, because there were quite a few that were, like, um, on the list, but very tentatively. So, like, right. Bruce Almighty probably is, at least what I was saying is this, like, change of perspective sort of movie. But I was arguing that it wasn't because it's a much bigger magical element. Yeah, which one was that, Sorry. Bruce Almighty. Cool, cool, cool. I think it cut out for a second. Yeah, Bruce Almighty yeah. is a... Mmm. Mmm. It's, it's a hard one because it's like, no, this actually does explore the, the larger effect on the world. Yeah, I but would the point... say it fits more in... It's it, Sorry if you're religious. It fits in full fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess the point of it is telling you that the way God works is much more like magical realism than it is like fantasy. Yeah. That God, God isn't meant to be out there casting spells and making monkeys fly out of people's assholes just because you want him to. You need to live your own life. A lot of those, a lot of the, the stories in the Bible are magical realism as well though. Like they, mm. they, they come from those old, old, you know, they're like those folklore mm. tales. It's, it's yeah, the, they're fables. Yeah, the, exactly. They are fables. That's what they are. You know, gets thrown in a pit of lions and doesn't get eaten or whatever. Um, 
so there, I would I would see the argument that Bruce Almighty would fit into magical realism. I just there <clears> might be they make it a little bit more fantastical is the only thing. But I would yeah they do I would count it because it is it, it's pretty borderline. But that's that's it's just the one small that, that's change. the difference between genre and these other yeah yeah more specific things that we're talking it's, about it's it does have that small magical change but the small magical change is he becomes god <laughs> which um which but it's someone it's someone going from a normal person to this new perspective of someone with all this power who can do whatever they want you know like what what do you do with that you know and and it tells this fable of you know you you become a better person. Like you still work on yourself, and and you learn the role of a greater power in your life. You you learn that it's not to solve all your problems, yeah, or to, even to solve anybody else's. Yeah, like there's there is a um, a change in perspective element to it. Like it fits that trope more than I think it fits the magical realism genre. Um, I have um, searched magical realism films, and there are some that come up. Mm-hmm. Um, on Google. Google does bring them up. Some like Ruby Sparks is actually a great example. Yes, that is a good one. Um, About Time, I would count as well. Um, what, what's that one again? That's where this guy in, in his family, the, the men in his family have the ability to move through time. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah. it's... You've told me about that one before. It's a good movie. It's a good rom-com. And it's just... He does that. And he just does it to like get a girlfriend because yeah. he wants to be happily yeah, married. Like, it's no, it's not a big yeah. thing. It's just this small ability, magic ability he has. Yeah. Um, it, this also has Big Fish, uh, Big, of course, oh, yeah. Life of Pi, yep. Forrest Gump, I wouldn't count. That's on here, though. I don't entirely understand why it would be. No, but... it doesn't really... Yeah, I wouldn't actually count that one. Not sure why it's on here. A bunch of movies I haven't heard of. Um, mm. but I, so there is some movies that, um, like Wikipedia does have a category for it. Um, mm. so I, it I, is, I also had, uh, yeah. um, I also had the invention of lying, which I think is closer to, um, it's almost an isekai. Isekai is a, an anime term for, um, being thrust into a new world. Yeah. Um, where, so like Digimon right. and stuff like that is an isekai. And like the invention of lying isn't because the main character is from that world. Um, but the whole point of the main character is that he's uniquely different. He's the one who can lie. Yeah. So he's much more like a character from our world thrust into that world than he is like a character from that world, even though he's technically not. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, like that. Yeah, it's a bit weird when the world is the magical element. Yeah. The slightly yeah. different element. Um, mm. What Women Want. Oh, that's the one where uh, Mel Gibson can read women's mind. yep. minds. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen it, it, it in a very long time if I have. It counts. Um, it's a, <laughs> I, it's a I, problematic I it movie because of all the men you could have well. chosen. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm not touching that. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, like that. That definitely fits that same sort of very small change to the world. And that that was the other um, 
Like that was the name my my sister recommended was One Small Change. Yeah. Yep. Um and, but yeah, it I sound, think that sounds think like Magic a category of Nando V movies episode like well, videos. Yeah, <laughs> but exactly right. Like there's a world out there where movies are made slightly better. <laughs> uh, I wonder what it's like uh, in the but, yeah. I wonder what it's like in the parallel universe where coronavirus never happened. Oh, oh! I mean, something probably worse happened. Yeah, yeah, true. Coronavirus <laughs> is is holding something else back. <laughs> the boomers. Oh, oofed. Um, but so uh, th- there was a couple there that I was like were bordering on um, on science fiction, but I didn't. I haven't actually seen or I haven't seen in a long enough time that I wasn't sure how they like whether or not they would count. Um, so and they were downsizing and honey I shrunk the kids. Uh I w- I personally would have put them both in sci-fi. Downsizing so bad. I I I never saw it, but it definitely fits that change in perspective genre, like d- that change in perspective trope. Yeah, but it doesn't um, really. Like cuz the movie <laughs> doesn't really. Well, because it's almost isekai in the sense that this character is thrust into a new perspective. He's um like he's got no way back to the world he left. Yeah. And he has to learn this new perspective and learn to survive in this new different world. Yeah. Um even if that world is being rich, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um and and Honey I Shrunk the Kids is much more of a, a just a dumb slapstick comedy sort of borderline monster movie. Um yeah, it's much more hardcore sci-fi, but um it yeah, I was still hung up on the idea of one small thing being different about the world. Yeah. Um, and whether or not that had a sci-fi explanation sort of didn't necessarily matter. It was the fact that one thing was slightly different. I think it I think it does matter, only mm. because then it is sci-fi. Like, because that's, well, that's the thing with sci-fi, is sci-fi often has there's one small difference, but here's the reason. It's because, it, like, well, so- clock stoppers. Yeah. Well, and but the thing about sci-fi as you know, the thing that sci-fi adds to this genre is that it gives you a concrete like MacGuffin, you know, yeah. like the the machine that that makes the kid grow needs to be found and fixed and or whatever, and you know needs to be used. There's a hardcore part of the story that is built around the concreteness of of how the magic happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that's sort of why sci-fi doesn't blend well with this thing. But in the same way that, like, um, um, there's plenty of sci-fi sort of what-if stories. Yeah. Of, like, um, like even like uh, Rick and Morty, I think, do it quite well, um, where they've got uh, the episode where they're storing memories that they don't want to remember sort of comes to mind like just what if you could do that how does that change your perspective you know what's different about your life because of that like you could tell one of these stories in that world give it a sci-fi explanation and it almost wouldn't matter yeah like the story would still be the same even if it had a magical element to it yeah um and to a to a point i guess like limitless um where bradley cooper becomes super smart when he takes the pills Uh, and that I think focuses a little too much. It, it, it does the honey. I shrunk the kids thing. I, 
it does the sci-fi thing of giving you something concrete to follow and keep track of that yeah. is not really the point of norm of these magical realism stories normally. Yeah. Mm. So it's almost like it it could fit, but it's it just doesn't mix very well. Yeah. It's, uh, I think the fun of the magical realism is the magical bit, and that's why I mm. I, I discredit the science fiction bit of it. Which almost yeah. makes cl- takes click out though, the, the magical it's a magical remote like it's not science fiction. Yeah, it's, like, it's given to him by death. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's sort of magical. So, so I, 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 I'm actually okay with that one. And the way the remote works is metaphorical. Yes, it's like be careful. Like, what, it's it's the careful what you wish for. It's the monkey's paw thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Damn monkey paws, man. They're no good. No good. I've said it for years. We should just kill all the monkeys, Sam. No, because then you've got a lot of monkey paws. <laughs> I want them to be attached to the monkeys still, Cal. So the monkeys can make all the magical yes. decisions about the world. Yes, humans can't be trusted with such power. God damn it. Um, but yeah, uh, Monkeys yeah, and uh, Andy Circus, that's it. <laughs> He's, he's the only person... When Andy Circus dies, his hand becomes a cursed wishing object. I love it. I love it. Um, um, yeah. But yes, yeah, so that's all I really had on my list. Fair enough. Uh, of potential uh, magical realism movies. No, I think... I, I, I look think forward good. to exploring this genre more. Um, uh, what's the one with the time-travelling mailbox again? Oh, The Lake House? That's kind of one. Yeah, that that is that's magical realism for sure. Because they put letters in it. What a weird movie! I don't, yeah. I don't mind it though. Actually, people but again, hate that. But that's movie. another one that. But that's another one that's like super popular. You know, like people really know that movie. Yeah, but they hate it. <laughs> they know it, but they hate it. But if you, if we had a term for it, if people started to use the term magical realism more, and like you could very easily point to, oh, I like if somebody said to you, I don't understand what you mean by magical realism. You could very easily go, oh, like the Lake House, like yeah. um, Seventeen again, Yesterday. like Freaky Friday, like yeah, yeah, like Groundhog Day. You could point to a whole bunch of them and go, what do they have in common? That's what magical realism is. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So yeah, get to writing your your bloody twenty million word essay on that, Sam. <laughs> 7,000 words, and, um, yeah, we'll see. What, what, so I called Kids on Bikes the undiscovered genre. What, what would I call magical realism? Uh, an underutilized term. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, genre, the genre you love but didn't know existed. Um, magical realism. Use it for films too, idiots. <laughs> You've already been doing it for decades. <laughs> Magical realism, still a thing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Perfect. Nailed it. Print it. What would you call Sam's hypothetical article? <laughs> tweet us. Yeah, tweet us at Video Shop Pod. What's a genre that you think isn't a genre you think it is? What are some more magical realism in kids on bikes films you wanna um, you would like us to talk about, or you just want to mention for funsies? Um, mm. Let us know at Video Shop Pod. Um, Next week, uh, DC fandoms this weekend. Maybe we'll talk about that. Fandome. DC Fandome is this weekend. What's that? Your blank stare <laughs> is just... 
Uh, I, I have no idea what that DC's is. DC's doing like their own online Comic Con. So, oh, cool. So we're going to get stuff about Zack Snyder's Justice League, the James Gunn Suicide Squad, Matt Reeves' The Batman. Um, okay. Yeah. So depending <laughs> what comes out of that, we might do an episode on that. If nothing no, interesting I, comes out of that, down. We'll, we'll do well, something you should else. Catch up on the, you should catch up on the new 52 animated movies. Because then if the, nothing else, we'll like talk about days. those. Okay. All right. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I mean, because there aren't that many that I, that I think you haven't seen. Uh, I think there are probably more than you I, think. <laughs> God damn it, Sam. Because, like, you don't I really need to watch all the Batman ones. DC watch, Universe watch... here. Well, and to still exist. Yeah. I wish it wasn't going away. Because the, the whole point of being able to, like, watch movies, read comics, listen to audiobooks, like, do all the things associated with DC in one app is a good thing. Warner Brothers, it was a good thing. It was too expensive, I think, is the problem. Yeah, and part of that, I think, is that there's just weird licensing things. Well, like, like they didn't have a lot of their own stuff on there because it was on, mm, like, HBO Max or whatever, which I think they're yeah. merging it with. Yeah. But we're not going to get that um, either, so... Mm. Yeah. Um... Oh, I, I almost forgot. I I did also read the first issue of Paper Girls. Oh yeah, um, yeah, which is quite good from what I can tell. I have the whole first volume hardcover, which I did order, um, mm. and then I didn't bring it with me, <laughs> so it's sitting at home in Australia. But my younger sister Jet. said it's great. Um, it's um, at least the yeah the the first volume that I could read, the first issue that I could read for free. Um, the art style is fantastic, and for people who don't know, it's. Um, it's a kids on bike story uh, about a bunch of paper girls in the in the eighties. Yeah, um, and they immediately, <laughs> like immediately, uh, established this is the eighties. Here's a walkie-talkie. That person doesn't like gay people. <laughs> thinks they all have AIDS. Uh, oh no! <laughs> the, the people are still reading newspapers. Oh no! Uh, well, like they just lock down the eighties. It's been picked up for a series by Amazon. So yeah, yeah. So we should definitely cover that. We, w- I'm sure point. we will. Um, and my, for those who don't know, the book I'm writing that I mentioned at the start, I wrote this because my project last year was a feature film, which was a kids on bikes film. So I like the thesis you do is like connected loosely to your actual project. Um, yeah. Whilst mine was connected very directly, it's like here's a kids on bikes genre breakdown. Now here's the mm. kids on bikes on genre, <laughs> genre script. Um, yeah, the script needs a lot of work, but I'm writing it as a book now, and I just hit forty-seven thousand words. Jesus Christ! I'll never read that. <laughs> <laughs> Too long. Cut it down. It's a it's a it's a novel, Cal. How long do you think you novels have are? A hit, you gotta make it fit. <laughs> Cut it down to three hundred five, Sam. Cut it down uh, to three hundred five. Uh, so it's oh, a it's right, a line right, from right. a Billy Joel yeah, song, yeah, yeah, The yeah. Entertainer. Um, about how he spent years writing Piano Man. It might have—I think it was Piano Man that he's talking about in that song. And then, like, it—it <laughs> uh, it, it took the best years of my life to write that song. He says, and and but if you want to have a hit, you got to make it fit. So they cut it down to three hundred five. I yeah yeah. I think they told they, they said that something happened like that with Queen. It happened with a lot of bands like Bohemian oh, Rhapsody. Yeah, yeah. They got told to cut it down. Yeah, so for the radio version, yeah. Um, yeah. And the producers, I don't know, I don't know. 
Um, but yeah, so that's so th- coming to a store near you soon, hopefully, maybe when I finish it. <laughs> Uh, if not, another very long blog post. <laughs> no, I'd probably look into... If I can't get it published, I'd like look into self-publishing options, like ebooks and that. Because you can just put a yeah, you, book on it's, Amazon. It's super easy to make an ebook these days. Um, it's still better, I think, to go down the traditional route. But like, if that's not an option, publish it there, get an audience, and then go, hey, publishers, you made a fucking mistake. Mm. Well, it's a, it's... It's at least super cool to have your own physical book yeah, that's well that's, bounded. That's that's the that's the key for me. I wanna I wanna like go into but, a shop and see it on a shelf. Like that's the that's mm. the goal there, right? Mm. But also for your first book, if you can't get that done, self publish and then release the hardcover later when you've written your second and third book that people actually like yeah um based on the traction you get with your first one it's true well so don't worry kids if you really like it there'll be a hardcover box set (laughs) (laughs) well this is also one of a trilogy like i've got of course i've got the i've got the sequels in my head already cal they're already taking shape so you don't have to worry it's it's easier to sell a franchise than it is to sell a book Boo. Well... <laughs> Tell that to the Divergent series. <laughs> yeah, they did. They sold and, and it. And Maze Runner. Yeah, they sold it. That's yeah, why there are movies okay, of enough. it, Cal. <laughs> Alright, fine. Tell it to the movies that didn't get made because of those movies. <laughs> How am I supposed to list the movies that didn't... Fuck you. <laughs> oh, come on, mate. Uh, Alright, this is getting ridiculous. We should wrap this up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now tweet us about all ridiculous. the things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> On two, episode two fifty five, this is this is when the it's podcast gone too long. Went too Pack far. it up, pack it up. <laughs> God damn. It. All right, see you, nerds.